The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. On this episode of the Nonprofit Happy Hour, we're talking about the power of comedy with local nonprofit and theater Curious Comedy. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM. We are joined by Stacey Hallel. Managing Editor and Artistic Director for Curious Comedy Theater. Did I just completely bungle your last name? Um, no, that was pretty good. Stacy Halal. It's a little like soft and difficult. But I think you said editor and managing artistic director. Oh my goodness. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I say manage. I've just I've been managing editor of things before. And I guess my brain just filled that that uh, just mad libbed it. Yeah, that's totally fine. But the yes. managing and artistic director for Curious Comedy Theater. So, um, Stacey, I'm hoping you can just place us in time and space. Not, not you, but uh, <laughs> Curious Comedy Theater, located on the upper stretches of MLK. Uh, explain the building, explain the venue to us. I shall. So it's, uh, yeah, it's near, right on the corner of Alberta and MLK. Um, so Alberta Street, if you've been to last Thursdays, right over in that area. Uh, and the building's Vanport Square. It's actually a development um, that's specifically to support women and minority-owned business owners, uh, which is the only way we were able to get in there because Portland's really hard to afford a theater space because of the earthquake requirements. So if you get kind of an old fixer-upper space, you have to spend tens of thousands to upgrade it, or you find a space that's already been upgraded and then it's super expensive. So um, it's a cool little development, Old Town Pizza's there, we're across from Blazers Boys and Girls Club. And we opened in 2008, and we have two venues now in the same building. One is a cabaret style with tables, chairs, full bar, food, uh, big stage, and it seats about 170 people. And then the other space is 65 seats, a little white box theater where we do more artsy or theatrical shows in there. Um, I'm going to keep sort of zoomed out for just a second because uh, I know that 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 uh, neighborhood right there, you just also a few blocks away, uh, Alberta Abbey has recently been doing shows and as well as some comedy shows. Um, does that do you feel that at all? Do you feel like there's there's some sort of comedy neighborhood that's starting to develop? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, Alberta Abbey's doing shows and then also um Alberta Street Pub has a great tradition prior to the pandemic. Uh, Control Yourself was a really strong, popular show there on Sundays. Alberta Rose is up the street. So uh, on Alberta, further up. Like So I, I prefer it to be a lively, active neighborhood where people are like, which thing should we go to tonight? Um, you know, it's funny because people 
worry about competition and comedy because I think we're so small, but it's like there are bars right next to each other, up and down every street in Portland and music venues. That's right. And music (laughs) venues, right? Like people are like, oh, another music venue. Like everybody has their own take and their own style and finds their own audience. Yeah, and I I mean the, the the parallel to bars though is that like there is a limit at which people can can drink, but there's not really a limit at which people can or should laugh. That's true. Absolutely. Um, and it it's trying often, to get philosophical on you. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I think it's actually it can serve a similar purpose, right? Of soothing, soothing yourself. Uh and yeah, laughter is definitely a, a, a healthy way to do it. So and I, I want to just stay in the, the neighborhood conversation for a little bit. Uh, um, does location play into your bookings and your audience? I mean, you talked a little bit about the mission of the Vanport building um, and the businesses that it supports. Uh, what, what about does, you know, does location play into who you are booking? I mean, are you thinking differently than, than what downtown might be looking at? We, our mission is to improve people's lives through comedy with an emphasis on amplifying marginalized voices. So we do try to book, we have Vibe Comedy is a show we're doing once a month um, on the third Saturday at 9.30. And those have all been um, marginalized voices for the most part. Um, So women and black performers and queer performers, um, we definitely are trying to focus on amplifying those voices. We also do the All Jane Comedy Festival, um, which is to help reduce the disparity of men and women in comedy. We sponsor the uh, Northwest Black Comedy Festival and are hoping to deepen that relationship for their next one. And starting in 2023, we're going to do a BIPOC comedy festival that we'll host. So, and prior to the pandemic, we also supported the Queer Comedy Festival. We'd always have. Um, a headlining show for that. Yeah, and I, I want to talk some about the mission then, because I do, I mean, the 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 part of Curious Comedy Theater, or I mean, obviously the fundamental is a platform for underserved voices. Now, taking a more historical look, I mean, comedy, you know, in 90s, 80s, uh, often picked on people. Uh, there was certainly a, a, a part of comedy that did this. I don't, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but for some reason, Andrew Dice Clay is jumping to my mind. Or, or <laughs> there's, there's comedy could be mean and, and, and certain people were off in the punchlines. Definitely. Uh, has, has, uh, is, is comedy leading the charge? Is comedy uh, part of a whole movement? Where, where does comedy fit in now in terms of, providing voices it, it seems as if um things have changed thankfully they have they have there's been a huge cultural shift and i think in, when it comes to stand up i think there's a real distinct new school versus old school um i'm 50 so i sort of grew up in the old school mentality of like nothing sacred and you make fun of anything and we should all have a thick skin um, but I think that the, the new school is if you need to make fun of a person to get a laugh, like make fun of a person for a thing of which they have no control, right? So there's a difference. There's a difference between making fun of somebody for being greedy and inconsiderate uh, versus somebody's race or gender. Uh, so I think it's pushing comedy to be smarter 
and better and less lazy, honestly. And we do a majority of our work is improvisation. And it's fun to see like the pendulum swing back and forth. I think stand-up does really well when everything's great, like the eighties, like when times of affluence and then it's like, oh, people do want to sit around and listen to somebody complain about airplane food or whatever. <laughs> Cause there, there is a negativity in stand-up in general. It's a, it's, it's a criticism. It's, it's a, it's a funny way to critique society. Um, but improv has really taken off in, in the past five, six years, like sort of pre-Trump election. Um, and I think it's just people aren't getting along, everything's tense and, and improv is a bunch of people working together in a very joyous way and watching adults get along and create joy is something that desperately needed right now. Yeah, I want. I, I, it'd be nice for you to talk a little bit more about that in terms of, uh, um, is, is there a, watershed moment for improv that that helped create this sort of uh his historical shift or that because it certainly seems like you said in the within the last decade that improv has become much more part of the conversation i think at this point most people know yes and uh at some point been exposed to that that tenet of improv uh did that come about from anywhere in particular the success of a, a certain group out of the, 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 the I, I'm going to get it wrong, the Groundlings, I think, are an imp, uh, out of LA that certainly had a number of people who were successful and have become well-known, or did it just organically happen? Um, that's a great question. I think it start. I mean, improv in terms of, like, is very traditional and old school, but improv in the form that we know it as entertainment right now is really young, just came out of the 50s and the 60s um and turned into second city uh and so it used to just be second city and io were the source of talent through the improv channels um but then ucb broke out and they they opened a theater in new york which people kept trying to do and failing and ucb had the support of amy poehler and matt besser like they were very mainly amy right from her snl experience and so they really supported it and then it started people started getting cast out of it for snl for daily show um and so it became super successful and then that led to a whole trend of every actor should take an improv class uh and then io second city and ucb all opened in la and I think at the same time, a lot of people like me started opening theaters in their own towns. We maybe trained in Chicago, but we weren't necessarily seeking to be on SNL or be famous. We just want to do it for the community and for the experience and do it in our own way. And, and people like me who were sort of overlooked from the institutions at the time. I mean, when I was in the directing program at Second City, they said they would never hire a woman to direct the main stage. Like that was just like a matter of fact. They were just like, uh, they would let me be in the directing program and they'd let me teach and perform, but I couldn't direct. They said every cast needs an alpha male and an alpha male will never listen to a woman. And so that was in 2004. Well, that was probably 2006 because I went there in 2004. And so 2007, I was like, I guess I'm never going to get to direct. So I moved back to Portland and just now, they have their first woman directing main stage in Chicago. Uh, that's that is a uh, that is surprising. 
What I mean, for, for some reason, for rightly or wrongly, this is no scientific basis whatsoever, but I've always thought of comedians as more progressive. Um, totally, right? You'd think, but like comedy itself has been stuck in that like 50s, 60s mentality. It's emerging as, as we were mentioning, right? We're starting to come out of that, but it really wasn't. Like the film industry, all that stuff's really in this like very patriarchal, um old school you know like directors like don't look at me don't look at the cast like a, a friend of mine was on on the set for a steven spielberg movie and he would just put his hand out and someone would run get a drink and put it in his hand or he, if he wanted to talk to the camera the dp he'd just go surge and everyone would go where's steven talking surge and like he'd run from multiple sets over to be you know like it used to be like you, you get treated like crap, you work your way up, you prove yourself, you take your hard knocks, and you had to survive your own career to succeed. And on a really personal level, you got kind of abused, right? And like, people don't want that anymore. The younger generation is like, I don't need to take that, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> I want you absolutely. And I want to, I want to keep talking because I could talk a lot about this, like, like what's the role of animal house in that, which like those guys were always questioning authority, but let's, let's go to, let's get back to curious comedy. But they were mostly all white guys. They absolutely, they were, they absolutely. If not all. Yeah. So, so, you know, it was, they were, comedy's always been subversive, but it's also been exclusive to a, you know, certain kind of white man. (laughs) straight cis person who had permission to be that right when a woman's subversive you're you're a bitch or you're bossy you're annoying right like but when a white guy's subversive it's kind of cute and charming and funny (laughs) sometimes sorry Uh, that's (laughs) no no i i I, that's we, we there's a whole i think like college seminar to talk about this and 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 to think about where uh the last decade has come with with uh, a, a, a number of, I mean, SNL uh, finally and maybe uh, slowly and, and not necessarily voluntarily changing its demographic uh, with the rise of some really uh, stand out, stand up uh, female comedians. Uh, you know, but I want to get back to Curious Comedy Theater. Sure. Uh, specifically, <laughs> and perhaps within the context of this, but uh 2008 it started what need was there what was that what was that that moment of this seems like a good idea because we're going to take a music break in a second here but you've had your own stand-up career you've had your own performance career but now you're you, you in in this role you're really switching to building a platform for for people instead of necessarily being the one on the platform it is totally related to what all we were just talking about because I wasn't allowed to fully play and participate in the playgrounds that existed. So I had to create one for me to be able to do what I wanted to do. Uh, and then in that, I wanted to make sure that other people were able to have an experience no matter what, where the, their background was, where they came from, that I was helping create a space for voices that are underrepresented, not only in comedy, but in, in Hollywood. Uh, you know, there was an ACLU lawsuit against the Hollywood industry for having so few women directors and 
camera like uh, directors of photography like it's just outrageous so uh yeah it was just a way to create a space and look at how much better snl became when there were multiple black performers and not just a token black performer and then you started to see not just a representation in terms of a face, but like actual voices and stories they were telling and sketches they were writing that were coming from a perspective that is so much more interesting. Like, I also think it's right now, like these are the voices that are fresh and interesting and perspectives we haven't heard and that are, are so funny. Like All Jane, even though it's all women, also tends to be the most diverse festival a lot of women have ever been at um, because I like unique voices. So that those tend to be coming from people who we haven't heard from before and they've been marginalized. And now we're getting to hear their perspectives and point of views, uh, which is awesome. Stacey Halal is the managing and artistic director of Curious Comedy Theater. And you brought some music in for us. Yeah, so we've been talking about women in comedy, and so I'm I'm bringing in a song by Karen Kilgariff, who is one of my like, personal heroes, mentors, a woman who has like battled it out and been successful. She writes on tons of shows. She's brilliant. Uh, she's also a co-host of My Favorite Murder, which is absolutely fanatical uh has a huge fanatical following podcast um but this is one of her this was her album uh that's comedy songs this is a while ago um but i'm trying to decide which one because so many of them are, are so funny but i will do password by karen kilgariff so that we can talk about it wonderful thank you let's take a listen <laughs> again I have no idea what it could have been tried my old dog's name my birth date I tried one two three four five six seven eight but I guess it slipped my mind cuz those little blue words came up every time did you forget did you forget I gave up and I clicked yes why do I pretend whatever I up with I will just forget again why don't I break down and use your name it's the only thing that's in my brain that never seems to go away I think I lost my phone again oh holy shit it's in my hand something's really wrong with me I'm not the man I used to be I can barely text my friends and then when I do, I don't hit send. Something's really wrong with me. I said that already. <laughs> when does this part end? When do I go back to being smart again? Will it just get worse and worse each day? Is that the only way my brain will ever let you go away? Ugh. 
This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm Phil Bussey. I'm talking to Stacey Halel, who is the Managing and Artistic Director of Curious Comedy Theater, which is a fantastic venue on, on MLK right at Alberta. Um, I have been, I have had a chance to go to a few shows there. I, 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 um, I enjoyed them. They're great. <laughs> Good. I'm so yeah. glad. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad. I'm glad it's not the opposite. <laughs> no, the, pa- the pause was more me realizing how little I go out to see comedy anymore. I, 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 have, I, have, a, I have a five-year-old and that has, that has cratered some of the cultural things I do in my life. But um, Sure. But also there's been a pandemic. So oh, you know, everybody's, everybody's kind of out of the habits of going out. And then they're like, oh, I'll buy a ticket. And then you know, there are statistics that more people are no showing than ever before because uh, it's like, you, you know, you forget how hard it is to build your momentum to go out. <laughs> so. Yeah, or, you know, it's, 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 it does feel like, you know, castles of sand, right? We're not, we're not sure that, that plans will stick together or that, that it will work out. And, and, and um, I mean, let's, let's just briefly talk about that. I mean, how have you guys managed during, the, during COVID? I mean, how... You're, you're emerging in okay shape? So far, so good. Uh, we have relief funds still. You know, we've just been very conservative. We did online classes that helped a lot. Um, and we have a whole video system embedded in our theater. And so we shot some theater for people safely, COVID safely, like one person unmasked. And then we com- composited things and used our video capacity to help um, but mainly the relief funds that we got uh, have helped us through. We have a little bit left. And so I'm hoping that'll get us through the summer and through this kind of sputtering back into remembering what it's like to go out. <laughs> and, um, so the fall will be, it'll be interesting because as we get further from the pandemic, you know, most people are back to normal, but for us, it'll be another month or two will be more of a make or break moment when the relief funds are gone and our 2019 expenses and our 2012 income need to somehow be reconciled. But I've really tried to keep our staff so far. Well, let's, let's, we only really have a few minutes left, unfortunately, but let's, let's, let's take those minutes and promote you guys. Um, so, so uh, performance and classes. Yes. So um you can either go there and and have people make you laugh or you can learn, is it mostly improv classes? It is, we have some sketch and we will be adding stand-up in the, in the fall, um, but mainly improv. And if, if it's just, they're so good for your life improv classes, even if you don't wanna be a performer, we have a free intro that anyone can take. It's two hours, no pressure. You're not on the spot. It's mainly group activities. So you won't, even if you're shy or you're nervous, you'll very quickly feel safe and welcome and um, not too put on the spot, but it's a great way to make friends. As adults, it's really hard to make friends. And I'll just say this real quick. So there's this idea that as churches have become less popular and the world's become more secular, we've lost places to find community. And and that's a big part, I think, of improv is it's a place to come and participate in joyful activities with other people and just have a positive experience and connection. Um, And the same thing with stand-up. I think a lot of people think that stand-ups kind of are the equivalent of what preachers used to be, right? They're commenting on the world and on society. Um, Whether you agree or disagree, at least they're starting conversations. Um, 
yeah. about, you know, charged issues. Absolutely. I mean, going to a comedy show really is, it is, it is a, uh, um, a baptism of some sort, um, <laughs> right? I mean, there's, there's, there's ideas, uh, there is exactly there's there's that taking off in the current events or the, or the current zeitgeist and 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 filtering it and giving a way to think about it. Um, I do want to just return to the classes, though, I mean, because you, yeah. you, you you briefly mentioned that uh, it's a great way to meet people. But I mean, the confidence right. is, is amazing as as um, as somebody who who was shoved on the stage a few years ago to do an improv uh, PowerPoint at the Siren Theater. Uh, oh yeah, great! You say you did speechless. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And it was, you know, it was it was fun, but it's also with improv. Uh, often the most often people are really welcoming of what you're saying, and they're encouraging. Uh, and that level of confidence, that level of recognizing that most people want to laugh. Totally. And, and want to support you. And that's where stand-up and improv are so different. A lot of times stand-ups watch the improvisers and the, you know, and if we combine them in a show and they're like, oh gosh, it's so much less lonely. But um, yeah, you also learn listening skills, like really true deep listening, in, which helps your communication skills, public speaking skills, personal confidence. Like I feel like I've really had to learn how to be a better person through uh, to be a better improviser and I really wish I had started as a teenager I think I would have been a happier person a lot sooner in my life if I had learned a lot of these skills. Stacey it's been really uh nice talking to you so so fascinating so wonderful to hear all the great work that is happening at Curious Comedy Theater both in terms of classes that are available and in terms of the festivals uh and the shows that you all yeah. are hosting I, I really encourage people to uh, go to a class or 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 sit back and uh, go to a show. Go to a show. They're reasonably priced. All the info's on our website. We're getting a new spanking new website in a few weeks, but you can still get all the info you need on it as it is now uh, for shows, classes, shows every every week, Friday through or Sunday, sometimes Thursdays. But thank you so much for this conversation. It was really great to chat with you. I could chat with you for hours, obviously. This has been the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. For tickets and details on upcoming shows, check out CuriousComedy.org slash events. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.